Tonight, I'm joined by uh, Professor Neville Stanton, a, a chartered uh, ergonomist, ergonomist, sorry, um, psychologist and engineer in town uh, to give his talk, driver reaction to vehicle automation, all the way over from the University of Southampton. Good morning to you, Neville. Uh, good morning, Jamie. How are we today? Uh, very well, thank you. Uh, what? <laughs> can I first ask, what is an ergonomist? Uh, it's somebody who studies the relationship between people and technology. So uh, we want to understand the way in which um, particularly advanced technologies and automation have on the performance of, of human beings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So really, um, with all your, that uh, psychology and uh, an engineer, you are perfectly placed, um, I guess, to do this kind of research on um, vehicle automation and the driver um, reactions to it. Now. Um, we're not here to talk about the tech, we're here to talk about the driver, um, passengers' reaction uh, to an event, um, or well, the driver passengers, sorry, um, reaction to an event in which the driver um, must take control, uh, driver, um, human control uh, of the vehicle must be uh, re-engaged. Um, people assume that you can just jump in one of these vehicles, um, tell it where you'd like to go, uh, sit back, relax, read, even sleep, uh, and you would... Um, be dropped to your destination safely but that's not necessarily the case you have to be quite vigilant still yeah the, the ultimate goal is the one you've described um, but at the moment um, the humans are left in a role of supervising the automation so the automation will drive the car um, it will brake and accelerate and respond to other vehicles um, but um, it isn't 100% reliable so um, in the event that it doesn't it misrecognizes um, something in the road then the human uh, supervisor now, rather than driver, has to jump in and take control. Mm. And that's proved to be problematic. Yes, I would imagine. Well, I mean, I guess everybody thinks that it will identify uh, the thing around it uh, and, and, and then circumvent or, or, or um, do whatever it needs to do to avoid that. But no, it engages, you, you must re-engage. So, I mean, I, I guess you have to be almost sitting there at the ready at all times. Um, you know, what, yeah. what, what are the reaction, the, the average reaction times that you're seeing in tests um, with the average uh, person behind the wheel and, and one must assume I guess um, the longer you're behind well you're not behind the wheel but you are behind the wheel the longer you're in the vehicle uh, the reaction time uh, will increase as you are more relaxed and I guess familiar with what's going on yeah well um, we found in planned takeovers where people are, are alerted uh, in, a, in a fairly timely fashion it can take up to half a minute to take over control and those are in experimental studies where the drivers know they're being watched by the experimenters. Mm. So I can imagine over time that could increase. Uh, we, we've we've uh, characterised the problem in two ways. One is we say um, if you're if you're tri if you're trying to be highly vigilant and monitor the supervision, it's a bit like watching a learner driver. Which, if anybody's ever sort of watched over a learner driver, you're watching the driver, you're watching the road, mm -hmm. and you're deciding whether to intervene. Well, by analogy, you're watching the automation, watching the road, and deciding whether to intervene. That's actually more work than driving itself. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is, it's something you can't keep up for long. So we've been uh, conducting studies where people can keep this up for maybe 20, 30 minutes, but beyond that, uh, their vigilance uh, tends to wane, which is a phenomenon we've known for quite a long time, at yeah. least 70 years. And the, it's a bit, I, I also characterise it a bit like 
watching your dishwasher or washing machine, <laughs> you know, you put the stuff in and you press the go button. And it, it'll, it's, the idea is that automation frees you up to do something else. Yeah. But watching automation is incredibly boring. <laughs> it is. It's incredibly boring. Uh, and therefore uh, tedious and probably make you quite tired. Yeah, well, we, we find that people simply can't keep up that vigilance task for, for yeah. any, any, any uh, you know, uh, uh, significant amount of time. And also the point is that as, you, as these systems are, you know, they're quite reliable, you know, 99.9% .9 reliable, it's only, it's only those very small, very uh, infrequent occasions do they fail. Um, people actually um, put un, uh, misplaced trust in these systems that think they behave as if they're perfect. Mm. And we, we, we've been doing studies on the road where we've been watching people, and even though they know that we're, we're watching them, they do start doing other things. They, they start, um, you know, playing with their phone, iPad or whatever. Uh, start, they, they, their attention wanders from the task of supervising the, 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 the automation. Wow. And, but I guess that's good for your tests. Well, it, it tells us that um, this isn't a good use of automation, mm. that... Um, Requiring people to supervise, they might as well be driving themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even, you know, you say, I mean, up to half a minute is a long amount of time. 30 seconds is a hell of a lot of time in these kinds of situations. And even then, I guess, when you do um, re-engage with the vehicle and you take control, uh, and a lot of times you'll probably be in shock uh, or there'll be a lot of ad adrenaline, you know, you probably got a fright. Uh, and that and other distracting factors, um, I guess, will still be going on and um, still put you in quite a dangerous situation. Yeah, we haven't um, we haven't done too many studies where that's happened because we've been looking examining um, handovers where they're planned, planned, you know, so okay, yeah. they're not emergency handovers. Uh, but if by analogy you look at um, emergency handovers in cockpits in aircraft where the pilots have been supervising the autopilot, uh, there things can go horribly wrong. There have been uh, quite a, in, sort of, uh, numerous crashes where the, uh, um, the pilots have actually flown the aircraft into the sea because of the very poor handover between the autopilot and the pilots. Wow, wow. Because, I mean, I guess you've got a lot of, um, you know, you've got to instantaneously think of a thousand different things at one time in those yeah, situations. Probably even more so on the roads because the... Uh, you know, you've only got a few seconds separating the vehicles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So emergency handover, um, I think, is a particularly troublesome problem. And do, do you think, um, you know, this is, I want your personal opinion on this one, do you think we're rushing to uh, adopt the technology when it's not ready for us? Um, I would, in my opinion, say uh, there's, um, you know, there's a in 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 manufacturing. There's always a, a premium to being first to market. So um, I can see uh, this technology selling cars. So that manufacturers, you know, wanting to be um, ahead of the game. But um, in terms of human performance, I'd say uh, better it'd be better to wait uh, until we can perfect the automation and truly leave the driver in uh, the you know enabling them to do other things. So the studies I'm working on, we're looking at very restricted use of automation. We, we're thinking motorway only. Yeah. And we're thinking once you get on the motorway, then you hand over to automation. And the automation will be good enough that you can actually do another task. 
and when it needs to bring you back in, which would be you know prior to your um, exit junction from the motorway, then it would give you enough time to regain control. There's got to be something of a handshake between the driver and the automation, mm-hmm. where it gives you enough information that you're you're taking over in you know um, uh, with composure, you know, in a, uh, a gradually handing the vehicle back to you. Yeah, well, I mean, you could be doing, um, you know, you could be driving from, I d- well, I don't know if you know New Zealand roads, so let's just say Southampton to London. Yeah. Um, I don't know those roads or how long they are. So, <laughs> but, um, about an hour. Yeah, about an hour. And that, you know, over that course of an hour, you can become quite tired. Um, so, so, or, or, or anything. So, I guess um, you need enough amount of warning time as to become um, very, very awake and alert, like you would be when you first jump in a car. Yes, and that's a good use of automation because um, it can take the boring part of the journey away from you, which motorway driving is. Yeah. Uh, but leave you free to do the urban driving, which automation simply isn't ready for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, without doubt, I mean, but even even so, and I guess, but I guess if the technology by by that point in time, you'd hope that the, a lot of the cars on the road would be automated because you've also got a, um, got the human factor of other drivers um, at the at the same time. Ah, well, you've you've hit upon a really thorny issue, which is the mixed roads. So, mm. where you've got uh, manually driven cars with semi-automated cars with fully automated cars. Uh, Nobody really knows what's going to happen there because um, automation won't drive exactly like a human driver would. They automated cars tend to be uh, more conservative, um, more hesitant, let's say, um, because they're trying to drive for safety. Whereas human drivers, you know, tend to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more impulsive. So when you've got that mix on the roads, nobody knows quite what's going to happen. Mm. People are trying to simulate it in, in sort of micro-world simulations to try and understand what will happen, but um, that's a big unknown. Yeah, but we're very inefficient as well, and one would assume that the automation would be more efficient than us, um, and therefore it would be more of a streamlined journey, um, hopefully, if that happens. But um, Well, when you've, got, when you've got full market penetration of these vehicles, so when all the vehicles on the road are automated, you could imagine the network being a lot more efficient. Mm. Uh, but that's going to take quite a long time. I mean, the life of a car can be anything up to 20 years. So that's replacing right. the whole, all of the vehicles on the road is going to take some time. Oh, I won't be able to afford one of these cars for many years. <laughs> Good well, not on my wedge. And people do like driving, so I can still see people want to drive manually. Mm-hmm. And people still ride horses, even though we don't need horses to get to and from places. That's right. Yeah. Um, were you quite surprised um, by your test subjects and their, um, you know, um, were there anything you saw um, that was a bit worrisome that you weren't expecting? I think we were surprised that in our studies um, people quite quickly adapted to the automation and were prepared to uh, take eyes off road. That surprised us. You know, because we were, we were in the car recording everything they were doing uh we were surprised just how quickly they uh, sort of acclimatized to it yeah uh, and we're happy to probably give it more um control than perhaps they should have they, they should have been supervising it more than some of them did um did, we, did you give them a rundown on the technology before they jumped in the car what what the limitations were what it can and cannot do or yes we did yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, we took everybody out on a test track first to, to acclimatise them to the to the car before we went out on the open roads. Yeah, yeah, and, and even even still, they yeah. were just like, "Well, we're fine." It's just like my iPhone. 
Well, I, I was uh, um, also have taken part in the studies uh, myself, and um, the vehicle surprised me a few times, and I was thinking it was doing one thing, and it was actually doing something else. Mm-hmm. And I had to grab control back um, quite quickly uh, on some occasions when I, it wasn't behaving as I, as I thought it should. Wow, that's interesting. So when, do you, when are you going to move away from planned disengagements to surprise? Is, is, is that something that's coming up in, in your research soon? We'll have to do that research. Uh, we've done that research in the laboratory, but not on the open roads. I mean, the, the trouble with doing um, emergency handovers on the open road is you're actually putting people in, potentially putting people in danger. Yeah. yeah. Um, so ethically, those studies are very difficult to do. We've done them in the, in the simulator. Yeah. Um, and I can say in the, from simulator work we've done, uh, not everybody recovers the car successfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is rather worrying. Well, I mean, I guess it's still all quite new, um, but do you have any data on, um, you know, how safe it is compared to just, you know, um, you know, just crash statistics? Well, is it safer than just what we have now, just the normal driver-car um, relationship, do you, do you think, or um, well, we've got a long that, way to go? Yeah, I mean, that's what um, people are claiming. They're saying that... Um, well, we know on the roads that um, worldwide, um, something like 1.2 million people get killed every year, which is a phenomenal statistic. And people are claiming that driving in um, highly automated vehicles will be uh, 50%, 50% safer. So they're claiming that will reduce the accidents. Um, the data, I can, what I, from my perspective, the data isn't, isn't there yet. Um, I think it it may well reduce some sorts of accidents, but it could create other sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, because, like we say, that um, um, the car being at odds with what the driver's expecting, um, so there could be new sorts of accidents. So I think it's too early to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a good case for automation if it, if it really could do that. Yeah. Certainly that's what's been claimed, but I don't think the data's there to prove it yet. And one, one would assume the big business or the interests behind the vehicles uh, will want to push it to market as quickly as they can so they'll claim anything. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That's not our discussion. Um, but, yeah. Uh, anyways, brilliant. So um, can the talk is today, of course, at 12 o'clock here at the campus. Um, where are we? We're at the uh, James uh, William James Seminar Room at the William James Building, uh, 275 Leith Walk uh, on campus. Um, can you give us a, a rundown on exactly um, what you'll be talking about today? Yeah, well, the talk's at 12 to 1, and anybody can come. Mm-hmm. And in essence, I'm going to be talking about um, the research I've been doing over the past 20 years on vehicle automation and uh, giving people some highlights and um, sort of trying to show them what the potential is for these systems, but what are some of the potential pitfalls and drawbacks that we've discovered in our research. Brilliant, brilliant. It, um, it sounds very interesting, and um, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me this morning. That's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, and um, apologies for what's happening up in Auckland right now with the pink ball, but um, we're pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty happy about it myself. Uh, have yourself a wonderful day. Enjoy the rest of your time in our beautiful city, uh, and um, good luck with the chat today. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you.
All right, that there was Professor Neville Stanton, uh, Chair of Human Factors Engineering, a transport re- research group at the University of Southampton in England, in the United Kingdom, uh, talked today, uh, driver reaction to vertical automation. Uh, it is at the William James Seminar Room, uh, 275 Leith Walk on campus, uh, 12 to 1. Absolutely fascinating.